It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company that provides life-changing nutrition information. And today we're going to be talking about a disease that is becoming an epidemic in our country. And that topic is type 2 diabetes. I'm Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist and nutrition educator. And today I'm very excited to be here with Brenna Thompson, who is a licensed and registered dietitian. And Brenna sees clients at our North Oaks and Maple Grove offices. Brenna, Brenna, it's really great to be here with you today. Good morning, Cara. It's nice to be here with you, too. I'm very excited to be here. We were on together, I think, a few months ago. Yeah, like two months ago. Yes. So I'm wondering if you can just tell people one fun fact or maybe just something about a project that you've been doing with work or a class you've been teaching. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So much has been going on, but this week I started teaching my first weight and wellness series. Congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to have the group that I do because I actually have two, um, I guess, participants in there who just took our Nutrition for Weight Loss series with Oralee, and they are just pumped. They are so excited to be taking the weight and wellness series, and even though they've had success with the Nutrition for Weight Loss and they're losing weight and they're feeling great, they just wanted more information and more support to keep them going. Well, that's great. And, you know, we often talk about uh, with our Nutrition for Weight Loss that that's a good follow-up. Yes. It's a good next step for people to kind of stay on track. So, well, wonderful. So would you mind just kind of going over the different types of diabetes? Because, you know, we are going to focus on the type 2 today. Yeah. Um, And I would love to. And diabetes is a complex topic, and people often get the different types confused. But the difference is, so there's type 1 diabetes, which used to be called insulin-dependent diabetes or even juvenile diabetes. And it's an autoimmune condition that requires people to use insulin by injection or by using an insulin pump. And only about 5% of diagnosed cases of diabetes are type 1. And then there's the gestational diabetes that occurs during pregnancy. And somewhere between 2 and 10% of women who are pregnant develop this gestational diabetes. But once they have their baby, um, their blood sugars go back to normal. And they are at risk for type 2 diabetes later in life, but for the time being, they're okay. Mm -hmm. Then there's type 2 diabetes, which was previously called non-insulin-dependent or adult-onset diabetes. And this type of diabetes accounts for 90 to 95% of total diagnosed cases of diabetes. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Mm-hmm. So we don't want, you know, if you're listening and you are a type 1 diabetic or have gestational diabetes, we're not leaving you, you know, in the dust or anything. It's just <laughs> no. that we really had to kind of pick a focus Today And with the prevalence, we'll talk about type 2. It really has reached epidemic numbers. And I think everyone has someone that they know, whether it's a family member, friend, or a coworker, that has type 2 diabetes. And the Centers for Disease Control 
state that 26 million Americans, and this was coming from 2010 data, 26 million Americans had diabetes. They also state that another 7 million were undiagnosed at the time. And if you include the 79 million who had a pre-diabetic state, um, that equals about 30% of our population with pre-diabetes or diabetes. That's amazing. I know. So basically you're in a room and there's one in three people approximately have one in three pre-diabetes or diabetes. And we're going to talk more later about why having pre-diabetes really is not a condition to be taken lightly or to be ignored because a lot of health conditions arise even with pre-diabetes. Yes. So with that pre-diabetes, then let's kind of lead into and talk a little bit more about what type 2 diabetes is. So if you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, your body is still producing some insulin, but it's unable to recognize that insulin and use it properly. So it's an advanced stage of that insulin resistance. And because the insulin isn't functioning the way it should be, then the glucose or your blood sugar can't get into your cells. And instead, it builds up in your blood, and this causes a lot of problems. And this is why people with diabetes have elevated blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. And often they are just placed on oral medication, uh, the main one being metformin or glucophage. And this medication makes their cells more sensitive to the insulin, and it helps lower their blood sugar levels. But it doesn't mean that they get to go out and eat whatever they want to. Right. And I think that is kind of a misconception, isn't it? It it often is. I (laughs) would see a lot of clients and they would say, well, I was put on the medication, so everything's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Nope, it's not. It's not addressing the underlying problem, which is really what we're all about is Is the food. Right. Getting back to the, the root cause of these things. So I I would like to share a client story, and this is a client that I had about three years ago. And I remember it really clearly, though, like it was yesterday, because this client's improvements, that they happened so quickly. He was in his late 60s, and his wife booked the appointment for him. She was an avid Dishing Up Nutrition listener, so she was familiar with our message. And I think she was just very hopeful that we could help her husband. So they came into the appointment together. He had just been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And as you probably have seen with clients, Mm -hmm. his doctor gave him three months to improve his blood sugar levels before he was going to prescribe medication like metformin. So um, when he brought, my client brought in his food diary, and it did reveal a pretty standard American diet. So he was eating two pieces of toast in the morning for breakfast. Sometimes there would be cold cereal with skim milk. And his favorite fruit was bananas, and he also liked to drink orange juice. So this type of breakfast was causing his blood sugars to really just go through the roof. And over the years, after eating this way for many years, his pancreas had to produce a lot of insulin to manage all of the excess blood sugar caused from all of the carbohydrates. And he had become insulin resistant, which is basically a pre-diabetic state. Mm -hmm. So that insulin resistance and prediabetes, which is what led to his diabetes. And I just want to say one great thing about this client is he desperately wanted to avoid medication. So he was really willing to try anything to see if it would lower his blood sugar levels. So I said, go home, eat two organic eggs for breakfast. And then he says, well, can I have 
bacon or sausage? (laughs) And I think when I said yes, and I did recommend nitrate free, he looked shocked. Really? I I would have looked at you like you were nuts. I know. I can have eggs cooked in butter. Yeah. Sausage or Or bacon. bacon. Oh, my gosh. And then he said, well, what about my toast? And I said, well, why don't you just try having one piece instead of two? But do put lots of butter on the toast as well. And then he had to ask about the cereal, orange juice, and banana. And I did recommend that he avoid all of those, which are extremely high sugar foods. So his wife kind of looked knowing at me, knowingly at me with a grin. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the other meal recommendations I gave, but I'll just say that in general, his new meal plan contained a lot more protein, a lot more fat than he had been eating, and a lot fewer carbohydrates. So he and his wife came back a couple weeks later, and he was so pleased. He had not believed that eating this new way would make a difference, but his blood sugars had dramatically come down in just a couple of weeks. I don't doubt it. I know. I mean, this stuff can, you know, this can happen Very quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So people that are tracking their blood sugars all day long, you know, try it. The proof is... It's right there. It's right there. So he never ended up going on medication. And so basically that was a a story of type 2 diabetes diagnosis Mm -hmm. that was reversed. So... That is just amazing. And there does seem to be this misconception that once people are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, nothing can be done aside from controlling it with medications. Or I often hear people say, well, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, they all had diabetes, so it's inevitable. I'll have it too. But it's just not Right, the true. genetic predisposition. Yeah. Yep. But in our office, we see people reverse their type 2 diabetes all the time. And even if it's not reversed completely, people are still able to improve their blood sugar numbers, which lowers the body's insulin production, and this lowers their risk of complications. Right. So it's definitely worth doing the work, and we're going to talk more about that when we come back from break, but it is time for us to take our first break. I do want to mention um, a recent change that was made in Minnesota school lunch programs recently. New federal guidelines dictate more fruits and veggies no trans fats, and there are regulations now um, for vending machine sales of soda, candy, and chips. Now, you know, school lunches still kind of leave a lot to be desired as far as <laughs> oh my gosh, quality yes. nutrition, but we really see these mandates as a step in the right direction. And these new standards are the first update in 15 years as far as what students are being served for lunch. So, And the districts are receiving more funding for their lunch programs at six cents per meal. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and if you do have a question for us today about type 2 diabetes, please call the studio at 651-641-1071. When something is simple, it's called a cakewalk or easy as pie. Funny how there's no easy as pie diet. But now there is a plan to make shedding pounds simpler. It's called Nutrition for Weight Loss. That's right, using Nutrition for Weight Loss. Created by the nutrition experts at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, Nutrition for Weight Loss will teach you the secret to losing weight and keeping it off. Nutrition for Weight Loss will create a personalized plan for you. It will bump up your metabolism to help you burn more calories. And there's no frozen prepackaged or liquid meals. You eat real food. 
With Nutrition for Weight Loss, you never get that hungry, haggard feeling. The program uses the latest in nutritional science to keep you feeling satisfied. And you'll love the bounce in your energy level. Find out more about Nutrition for Weight Loss. Call 651-699-3438 or online. It's weightandwellness.com. That's weightandwellness.com. Getting the body you want is easier than you think with Nutrition for Weight Loss. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian, and I'm here with Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist. And we already have a caller on the line. We're talking about type 2 diabetes today. Hi, good morning, Pat. Do you have a question for us today on Dishing Up Nutrition? Well, I was hoping that you ladies would address people that are began to be type 2 and now pretty much are type 1. I am insulin dependent. I've even had gastric bypass surgery to lose weight and get at least get off my insulin. Didn't work. Okay. Do um, how long have you had diabetes? Um, it was triggered, I believe, by a gallbladder surgery because it happened immediately after that. That was about eighteen years ago. And how long have you been taking insulin? Um, Twelve years. Okay. So are you wondering, is your question kind of like what to do going forward? Is your, do you have a goal to reduce insulin or? Oh, there's no way I can produce insulin. Or I, no, reduce, I... not produce, sorry, but reduce your insulin that you're taking? I, I don't know. I, I just never hear our problem addressed anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like type 2s take medication, type 1s use insulin. But there's a lot of us in that gray area. I think we should be type one and a half. (laughs) Really, and have some of the same benefits in research, et cetera, that the type ones have. You're you're making very good points there. Um, So kind of what it sounds like has happened is oftentimes people who are type two, if they have they have the insulin resistance and they've gone, uh, their blood sugars have been uncontrolled enough for a long enough amount of time and their pancreas is kind of getting tired of having to make more and more insulin and it sounds like that might be what has happened for you and so then... Oh, it is. I, I totally ignored my diabetes for the first eight years okay. until I had to have my eyes nuked and then I woke up. Mm-hmm. And I started paying attention to it. Right. Well, I think a lot of the same dietary advice that we're going to give today, and we do, we do kind of address in the script later. You know, people that are taking insulin. Um, but I think you will benefit from eating the same way that we're we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. because anything that's going to, you know, balance your blood sugars. And allow you to take less insulin, that's going to be beneficial for, you know, your cardiovascular health going forward and just general less aging, in, you know, in the big right. picture. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've even started taking, I'm very brittle mm-hmm. and it's been hard to control. I work with my doctor. I work with the diabetes nurse educator. And 
Now I'm even using Victoza with insulin, and it's not recommended for that, but it did finally bring my blood sugar down for a short time under 7. Oh, I've wow. been running at 8 for years. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's good. I'm trying to eat right. I, If I'm splurging a little bit on some chocolate or more carbs than I should have, I do adjust my insulin accordingly. Well, keep Pat, keep listening. We're hoping you'll f- listen to the rest of the show because I think... You know, what we're going to recommend is definitely going to benefit you as well as, you know, the rest of the population that's taking oral medications like metformin. Or who okay. are on insulin as well. Yeah. yeah. It is basically the same dietary advice. So I really want to thank you for, you know, bringing this up, though, and addressing your population that's out there. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Um, so, you know, Brenna, before break, we were talking about controlling it with medication and that we, you know, that is not inevitable, even with a family Mm -hmm. history. We do see people get off of medication and sometimes even stop using insulin. Right. Yes. So depending, of course, on the severity of the disease and how long someone's had it. Right. Each person is very different. But the complications that are related to diabetes, they are very serious. And as the disease progresses, other health conditions often follow. So things like triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol increase. Um, there is an increased risk of heart disease and stroke. Mm-hmm. Actually, in 2008, um, adults that had, um, well, let me let me rephrase this. So people with diabetes also had, 67% of them also had high blood pressure. So a very strong correlation between having diabetes and having high blood pressure. And diabetes is the leading cause of blindness for those who are 20 years or older. And there's something, you know, listeners may know about diabetic retinopathy. It's that can lead to a severe vision loss. And diabetes is also the leading cause of kidney failure. Many diabetics will end up on dialysis or even needing a kidney transplant. Yeah. And people may be familiar with the nervous system damage that can occur from diabetes and this is the numbness that occurs, especially in the hands and feet, and it can be very painful. And this is called neuropathy, and it's a tingling or a burning sensation that people will experience. And if kind of left unaddressed or if blood sugars continue to run too high, this is when people will need to have maybe amputations of toes or feet. Right. So, I mean, these... The complications are very serious, as you can tell from what we're talking about. So, you know, when I mentioned the foods that my client was eating when he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, um, I want to just spend a minute talking about what is leading all of these people to get this diagnosis. Most of those foods were high-carbohydrate foods. Right, Brenna? (laughs) Absolutely. And he was eating toast, cereal, skim milk, bananas, and juice, foods that we've all been told are healthy and that I had always thought were healthy. And that was just at breakfast. And many Americans start their day the same way. And then they eat a lunch that's a sandwich made with two pieces of bread, maybe some chips, snacks, or often granola bars, pretzels, or popcorn. And at dinner, they might be having pasta and pizza or a frozen meal. And all of these foods are high in carbohydrates and will create a huge spike in blood sugar levels. And when blood sugar levels are, 
you know, do skyrocket like that after eating high carbohydrates, the pancreas really has to work extra hard to produce a lot of insulin. Insulin is the hormone that we need to bring the blood sugar back down. And diabetes does not happen overnight. It usually takes years of eating too many high-carbohydrate, high-sugar foods before signs of the disease really start to manifest. But after years, your client had been eating this way and his cells became less and less responsive to the insulin he was trying to produce. And his pancreas just overproduced insulin for all these years. And finally, his insulin receptors just stopped working. Exactly. And the glucose or the blood sugar could not get into the cells. So then, you know, the glucose stays in the blood. And that's when people go to their doctor and they have a physical and they get their results back and it says, oh, they have high blood sugar levels. And often that's the first time that I think they realize they are diabetic Mm -hmm. is by, you know, getting a high fasting blood sugar count. Yeah. For many people, it's a surprise. But Mm -hmm. I bet your client may have had some other symptoms along the way before the diagnosis, or I know many people do experience some other symptoms of insulin resistance occurring in the early stages of that prediabetes. People often notice that they start to have more belly fat and gain weight more easily around their middle. And I've also found that many of my clients will complain of being very tired all the time. Oh, right. Low energy. Low energy. Um, Another symptom that they experience is frequent urination and frequent thirst Mm -hmm. a lot of times. So those are just some other symptoms. But if they're having their blood test done, then they might also be diagnosed with maybe high blood pressure. That's often elevated, as well as having elevated triglycerides and LDL cholesterol, much higher than they normally should be. That is a great point. You know, all those signs that you just mentioned usually happen way before the actual diagnosis of diabetes. So if you're listening and either you or a family member, someone you know, has a history of or a you know, family history of diabetes and you've noticed the early signs we just mentioned, really start taking steps now with your diet so you prevent the full-blown diagnosis. It's a very, very preventable disease. Well, Brenna, it's time for our next break. Already? It is. I know it goes so fast. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, and if you're struggling with weight loss or you have been warned that your blood glucose levels are too high, putting you at risk for diabetes, we have the perfect class for you. It's our Nutrition for Weight Loss class. It teaches you how to eat real foods for weight loss, and guess what? You're going to balance your blood sugars at the same time. So think of it as a diabetes prevention plan. And this week, we actually have several new series starting up. Um, I'm just going to briefly go through a couple different locations. Monday morning, there's a St. Paul class. Wednesday evening is Wyzetta. I'll be teaching that one. Thursday night, Anna is in Andover, and Chris is teaching in Maple Grove. There are even two series starting a week from today on the 22nd of September in St. Paul and Wyzetta. Lots of great options for you. So, again, please call us today if you have a question about type 2 diabetes, 651-641-1071. Welcome back. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Brenna Thompson here with Cara Carper, and type 2 diabetes is our topic today. While we were on break, somebody from the U of M Transplant Center called in, and they let us know that 95% of the calls that they get for people needing a kidney transplant are from people with type 2 diabetes. 
Isn't that interesting? That is so interesting. Thank you for Olivia for that information. <laughs> yeah. Olivia's our producer. Oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> Just some other interesting information coming from Dr. Mark Hyman's latest book called The Blood Sugar Solution. Dr. Mark Hyman wrote has written several bestsellers, including Ultra Metabolism. And he states that most doctors don't catch diabetes in the early stages. They typically measure fasting blood sugar. And a recent study showed that anyone with a fasting blood sugar of over 87 milligrams per deciliter was at an increased risk of diabetes. 87. Remember we were talking about that before the show started? I know. I looked at Cara and I said, are you sure this is right? I know. It's very recent information, but there's... I've seen several studies in the past couple of months actually saying that. That's just crazy. Yet most doctors are not concerned until blood sugar is over 110 and maybe even over 126, which really technically signals that that person does have type 2 diabetes. And by this time, most people have actually lost 50% of their insulin producing ability in their pancreas. So by the time they get that type 2 diabetes diagnosis, yes. which like you said is fasting blood sugar of 126, mm-hmm. 50% of their pancreas is not working or their insulin producing cells. Right. Yeah. So not only are they insulin resistant, but they're not producing enough insulin at that point. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Mark Hyman also says that your blood sugar is the last thing to go up. Your insulin spikes first, and doctors typically do not order fasting insulin tests, which are also a much more effective way to catch problems before the onset of the disease. So I would encourage, you know, anyone, if you have symptoms that sound familiar that we were talking about in the show earlier, Ask your doctor for a fasting insulin test. You know, it may not be standard, but you can certainly ask for that test. And we know that too many carbohydrates will raise blood sugars and raise insulin levels. So, I mean, it certainly makes sense to lower carbohydrate intake if you have diabetes. It makes total sense. And what that means to people is that the best source of carbohydrates for anybody, but especially people with diabetes is that carbohydrates should come from vegetables. Vegetables, what? Vegetables, that's right. (laughs) And, you know, fruits are carbohydrates as well. And it's really easy to think of carbohydrates as only being bread and pasta. But vegetables are your best carbohydrate. And then I think fruits could be a good close second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And these non-starchy vegetables The reason that we recommend them is because they hardly raise your blood sugar at all. Um, And to give you some examples, non-starchy vegetables would be considered leafy greens like spinach, kale, romaine lettuce, um, things like tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, asparagus, green beans, broccoli, and cauliflower. So these are really unlimited. They They can be an unlimited source of carbohydrates in a diabetic's diet and should be eaten regularly at every meal. Other types of carbohydrates for a person with diabetes are acceptable too, but should be eaten in a little bit more moderation. And that's why I said that fruit is a close second, but you really want to limit that fruit to maybe half a cup and only one or two times a day. And certain fruits will raise blood sugars more than others. So bananas are extremely high in sugar. So it makes sense that you had told your client to avoid them. Things like grapes and melon and pineapple are also pretty high or concentrated in sugar. 
Berries, on the other hand, contain the least amount of sugar, so they are a preferred fruit for Berries people. are wonderful, and if... If you're thinking, oh, berries go bad so quickly and they're so expensive if they're organic, I actually find really good deals on frozen Mm -hmm. organic berries. And then Um, they don't get smushed or go bad. Exactly. They just keep them in your freezer for several months. Other carbohydrates that are acceptable for a diabetic but do need to be measured out are things like brown rice, wild rice, quinoa, sweet potatoes. But the serving size is a half of a cup cooked. Any more than that at, say, a meal or a snack will really spike blood sugars too high. Yeah. And there are carbohydrates that should probably just be avoided completely. So foods such as white potatoes, white rice, pasta, even the whole wheat pasta, cereal, bagels, muffins, chips, and sweets such as candy, cookies, and cake. And that even includes the sugar-free varieties because they still have carbohydrates. And I have had some clients who were truck drivers, and they were probably some of my favorite clients to work with because they had such good motivation to get their blood sugars controlled. And I would often see them when they were first diagnosed, and they would actually be on insulin at this point. And when somebody who is a truck driver is on insulin, they can't drive a truck. So they can't work, which means they can't make money. And oftentimes they would say, I will do anything to get my blood sugars controlled and get off this insulin. And the first things we would take out would be those processed carbohydrates. And sure enough, we would get those out of their diet and they would be back to work. See, it's amazing what incentive, an an incentive Mm -hmm. like that, like I have to feed my family. Yeah. I have no option. Tell me what to do, Brenna. (laughs) So that's a great story. And it is critical, you know, we've talked about carbohydrates now, but we need to talk about the importance of protein and fat in the diet of a diabetic. Protein helps to reduce the rate at which sugar or glucose enters the blood. So people need to be eating protein at every meal. That's why I told my client to have eggs and that it was okay to have nitrate meat for breakfast as well. Yeah. And you told him to use some real butter on his one piece of toast. And butter is a healthy fat. And fats are the most important nutrient when it comes to balancing and lowering blood sugars. When we eat fat, it doesn't have any effect on our blood sugar. And in fact, it actually acts as a buffer when eaten with carbohydrate. So eating that piece of toast without butter would create a huge rush of blood sugar. But when you add that butter, it helps prevent that blood sugar spike. But, you know, Brenna, many people are still under the impression that they should be on a low-fat diet, right? Right. I mean, this is the dietary advice that is often given out by the American Diabetic Association. Um, it's, it's poor advice, though, and low-fat or fat-free eating will only perpetuate the problem. Right. And we want everyone to know that certain fats are healthier than others. So, like we mentioned, butter is a healthy fat. So is olive oil, coconut oil, avocados, nuts, peanut and almond butter, olives, and seeds such as sunflower seeds. Those are all healthy fats. Those are all good, healthy fats. And there are bad fats to be avoided, of course. We talk about this on every show, but we (laughs) want to make sure you know not to eat trans fats or highly refined oils. And trans fats are just listed on the label as hydrogenated oils. They're in commercial baked goods cookies, cakes, muffins, and bars. Um, They're in some peanut butters and shortenings. And they're in a lot of, like, frozen and packaged foods. So just really, everyone, be a a good label reader. 
and get rid of anything with hydrogenated oils. Just to let you know, too, these hydrogenated oils decrease insulin response. So it's actually even harder to lower blood sugars. Um, the oils, they're also linked to heart disease, cognitive issues, arthritis, and just about every other degenerative disease that you can think of. That's incredible. I know. It's amazing. We're even used, people can even use them for anything. I know. We need to get those banned, but until we, until we until do, they just are, avoid just, them. Yep. Have the yep. knowledge. And another big no-no for people with diabetes are sugar-laden beverages. And this might sound obvious, but statistics show us that this message has not gotten across. And the number one source of calories in this country is high-fructose corn syrup. That's right. Wow. The number one source of calories? Yeah. The number one source of calories is high-fructose corn syrup. Oh, my gosh. Because it's found in so many different processed foods. But the main source is soda. And did you know that about 90% of American children and teenagers drink soda every single day? Some as young as one to two years old. And in the Nurses Health Study, this is from Journal of American Medical Association, 2004. The Nurses Health Study, it's a, it was a huge study, over 91,000 women. And those who had one sugar-sweetened soft drink per day had an 82% higher risk of having diabetes over a four-year period. Um, those who drank fruit punch doubled their risk of developing diabetes. So you see other sweetened beverages, even like fruit punch, energy drinks, even juice, will spike blood sugar just like soda. I think that last one there was a big one. So even juice will spike blood sugars just like soda. Mm-hmm. And if you have been given advice from either your healthcare practitioner or maybe a well-meaning friend or family member to switch to diet soda, that is not good nutritional advice. Or maybe switching to diet Powerade or diet Gatorade. Those aren't good suggestions either because we know that people who consume just one diet soda a day have a 36% increased risk of prediabetes or metabolic syndrome and a 67% increased risk of diabetes. And a 2011 study in the diabetes care of over 400 people found that those who drank two diet sodas per day had five times the increase in waist, in waist circumference. circumference. Oh my gosh, Brenna. Well, you know, it's time to take our last break here today. And when we come back, Brenna will tell you about a couple of supplements that we believe are a critical part of improving your diabetes symptoms. And if there is time to take a couple calls here, 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. A wise doctor once said, today you are you. That's truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. The doctor in question was Dr. Seuss, and I bet he would like the attitude and approach they use at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. For more than 25 years, the licensed nutritionists, registered dietitians, and nutrition educators have worked one-on-one with clients. Because they know no one is youer than you, they will come up with an individualized eating plan that addresses your needs, your body, your health concerns. Because they use research-based knowledge and because they care, they can guide you to be the best, healthiest, most energetic you you can be. Come into one of their Twin Cities-based office locations for a consultation or schedule a counseling session over the phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Call them at 651-699-3438. That's 651-699-3438. Or go to weightandwellness.com. They will get results for you. It's true. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is now open in Maple Grove. Call them today at 651-699-3438. 
We're back, and you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian, and I'm here with Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist. The main focus of our show today is how to manage and possibly even reverse diabetes with the right nutrition. There are some supplements that have played a key role in helping many of our clients improve blood sugars, blood pressure, and cholesterol, and have more energy. Uh, These supplements are magnesium, omega-3 fish oil, and vitamin D. All of them have been well documented that these, well, a nutritional deficiency in these, magnesium, omega-3 fish oil, and vitamin D, are a major cause of diabetes. Right. So, I mean, most people are deficient in all three of those, so it makes sense to kind of use that as a foundation Mm -hmm. of where to start with supplements. Yeah, and I believe we have a couple of callers on the line. Yeah, let's go ahead and take... Allie on line one. Good morning. Do you have a question for us about wheat bread? Yes, good morning. I have a question about that. Is is the sprouted wheat bread, which has seven grams of carbs per slice, is that a good choice for a diabetic? That would be a much better choice than, say, um, just maybe any other regular just plain wheat bread. And certainly you still want to balance that out with some good proteins and some good fats and stick to one slice at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that answer your question there for you? Yeah. Also with like two organic eggs sauteed with coconut oil and a slice of this bread, would that be a good choice for a breakfast? That would be a good choice. And you could even put a little butter or some peanut butter on that toast as well. Okay. Yeah. That sounds perfectly balanced with your protein, fat, and carb. That sounds wonderful. And to your point earlier, using that coconut oil to a teaspoon, that is still okay, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a good fat. That is a good fat. Yeah. The organic, unrefined coconut oil. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for your call. We actually have a couple more calls here. And speaking of oil, good morning, Katie. Um, looks like you may have a question about palm oil today. Yes, um, most of my peanut butters have palm oil in it. I don't know if that's a good oil or a bad oil. Yes, that is a uh, good oil. It, yeah, it's a... It's one of those where if you can get it and it's the organic, again, unrefined, cold-pressed palm oil, that's best. I'm guessing the peanut butter you're referring to might be something like the um, Skippy or the Jif Natural. Exactly. Yeah, that would be just fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, you just want to mm-hmm. avoid, um, just if anyone's listening and has a question about hydrogenated palm oil, if you see that, that is a trans fat. But her, the one she's talking about... Is just regular palm oil. Yes. I can be relieved. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. We have another call here. Good morning, Kathy. Um, what's your question for us today on Dishing Up Nutrition? Hi. Um, yeah, I have a friend who has a problem with cold feet, cold hands, cold knees, and it's getting worse, and the doctors say something about uh, they can't do stints in the small, the really small blood vessels. And I don't know how, I'm wondering if this could be related to, you know, anything to do with diabetes or, um, you know, or maybe he should go to Mayo Clinic and try and find out what's going on with him. Does he, has he been, had recent lab work that indicates, you know, signs of diabetes? Do you know? You know that, I don't know. You know... I mean, it could be a number of things. I guess cold hands and cold feet, Some for some people, that's a, th- a low thyroid condition. Right. And uh, I mean, that could be low thyroid. It sounds like your friend, um, maybe there's some constriction 
of the blood vessels, and that's leading to poor blood circulation. So I guess there I'm just thinking, again, keeping the blood sugars well-regulated and keeping blood pressure under control. And, you know, sometimes when people have, um, you know, that could be an early sign of a neuropathy disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know that, you know, we had talked about omega-3 fish oil, that is, most people are just so incredibly deficient in that. I'm sure that that would be good for your friend to take, probably 3,000 milligrams a day. You know, it might be something where he needs some extensive lab work. And once he gets that lab work, it would probably be great if he'd be willing to make an appointment with a nutritionist. Okay, because come to you guys maybe would be a good idea for him. Is he local? He lives in Plymouth. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we have so many offices. Right. We've got the new office in Maple Grove. Right. So I would have him really, you know, get some, get some lab work um, and make an appointment with a nutritionist because it could be more complex than just us trying to figure it out over the air. (laughs) Okay. Now you mentioned three, you mentioned magnesium, omega-3, and what was the other one you mentioned? And vitamin D. Vitamin D. Yes. Okay, yeah. thank you so much. Okay, yep. yep. Thanks yep. for your call, Kathy. Brenna, we were going to take, we only have a few minutes left here, but why don't we take um, a few minutes and talk about some decisions that people are going to be need to be making, like if they go to a grocery store mm-hmm. or they're at a restaurant right. and they have diabetes yeah. and they want to improve the condition. Sounds like a plan. So let's start with some snack choices. Let's pretend we are kind of looking for a snack idea, and we're at our friend's house, and they have a bowl of pretzels and a bowl of nuts. Which one are we going to pick? Well, we are going to pick the nuts instead of the pretzels, because the nuts are a healthy fat that will help balance your blood sugar, instead of the pretzels, which are just a processed carbohydrate that will spike your blood sugars. So here's another snack dilemma. It's Friday night. It's movie night at your house. Everyone usually eats, you know, popcorn, and it's typically air popped and no butter added. <laughs> what do you do? Well, my first recommendation actually <laughs> would be probably avoid the popcorn. But I've come to realize that I think a more middle of the road approach mm-hmm. is sometimes needed, especially when people are making these big changes at first. Yeah. So a more realistic option than just not having popcorn would be melt some real butter and put it on the popcorn. The fat in the butter will help blunt the blood sugar from rising too high. And also serving size is important. I would keep it at one cup. One cup of popcorn. Of of popped popcorn. That's not very much. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Another scenario. So here we are. We're at a restaurant and we're at the salad bar and we're going to put together a salad. Should we go with the fat-free dressing or should we go with the blue cheese dressing? Well, the answer is the blue cheese dressing because the fat in the dressing will help balance your blood sugars. So here's another one. Maybe you're at dinner at a relative's house and there's there are a lot of vegetable sides being served. There's mashed potatoes, baked squash, there's corn in the cob, and asparagus. So if you are a diabetic, do you take a serving of each? Well... No, the answer is you can have as much asparagus as you want and a small serving of squash, about a half of a cup, but you would need to skip the mashed potatoes and corn. They're really going to be too high on a diabetic's blood sugars. 
Wow. And if you're at the grocery store, which can be very confusing and overwhelming, even for me some days, I find that I get a little overwhelmed there. There's just too many choices. But you're in the yogurt aisle and they've got the YoPlay light yogurt or maybe they've got some full fat yogurt. Well, you're going to want to go with the full fat plain yogurt. Not the vanilla? Not the vanilla. (laughs) Nope. Just the plain full fat. And that might be a huge surprise for a lot of people. I think it would be a huge surprise for a lot of people. (laughs) But then let's also pretend we're at the coffee shop. I love going to the coffee shop. I do too. Yeah. (laughs) And in the past, I would have been like a lot of people and probably ordered a skinny or a low-fat mocha. But today, I know that I should order a Brev, which is coffee with real half-and-half added to it. Instead of the skim latte or mocha, which has no fat and includes lots of flavor shots or chocolate syrup. And we recommend the Brev because that half and half will have some fat to balance your blood sugar. And surprisingly, caffeine can actually raise blood sugar levels. Isn't that interesting? So adding that half and half or, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're at home, you're better off getting the heavy whipping cream. cream. It's so good. It's harder to find that when you're at a coffee shop. Um, You know, Brenna, I think we just have a minute here. And so (laughs) I want to kind of wrap up this show and just, well, thank you for being here today. Thank you for letting me come on with you. Yeah, it's (laughs) been great. You've had a lot of great information and questions answered for our listeners. Um, Everyone, be sure to tune in next week because Cassie and Kate are going to give nutritional strategies for sleep. But I really hope that today we have given you the knowledge and a few practical tips so that you can start putting a diabetes improvement plan in place for yourself. Or if you don't have type 2 diabetes, pass this information on to someone you care about and they can listen to our podcast as well. Um, Because the power of nutrition really cannot be underestimated. And Mm -mm. diabetes is very, very preventable. And we see cases reversed quite often in our office. So. Have a great weekend and thanks for listening. Bye bye, everybody. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.